This episode of Pat Trek is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. They've asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. We would like to thank the Chicago Podcast Co-op for bringing us that sponsor. The Chicago Podcast Co-op is a collective of excellent podcasts based right here in Chicago. Find out more at chicagopodcastcoop.com. The late 80s. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. This is the show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winninger, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, I love this one. Who watches The Watchers? It's a great episode. Uh, yeah. It's got I liked a it. little bit of that weird prime directive whatever in there. I mean, pretty much the whole episode is the weird prime directive. Stuff. I know. Well, if we forget earlier episodes where they completely violate the prime directive, it's a this episode is great. I kind of like their explanation that they're like, well, the damage is done. We just got to mitigate it at this point. <laughs> Which has happened numerous times. It has times. happened numerous times. It's like. Yeah, I can kind of get that. Yeah, totally. But I still don't fully understand the Prime Directive. I think Brian Sebi has tried to explain this to us several times. Yes. But it does kind of seem still to me as like, it's just kind of whatever the plot demands. Yes, that's absolutely what it is. It is the It represents law, I think. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's kind of like warp speed. Sometimes get, it changes. Right, yeah. We get the general idea. It's like they don't want to interfere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, man, do they interfere in this oh, episode. Oh, boy, they do. Yeah. So, well, fun fact. Yeah. Did you notice anything different about Beverly Crusher? Uh, It's not her hair this time, is it? Not her hair. Okay, what? She got a new coat! Oh, well, like a lab coat? Yeah, like a long blue lab coat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's never worn that before. And she now will wear that for basically the rest of the series. Oh, okay. She's in costume now. Cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. There's a lot of stuff that's starting to like coalesce as what people know. Exactly. Because like, I remember when I first started watching the show, Record didn't have a beard right. for season one. Which is weird. Yeah, but yeah, and now Jonathan Frakes, like everyone knows him as, like, yeah, the yeah. guy with a beard. Mm-hmm. So... And now, like, the uniforms are two-piece instead of, like, the single jumpsuit. Right. They have collars. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. But anyway, she got a lab coat. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Now, that's her iconic outfit. Ah. <laughs> Who Watches the Watchers came out on October 16th, 1989. I found this headline. It's kind of a long one, but bear with me. Use of highly addictive, in quotation marks, ice growing in Hawaii. This smokable form of methamphetamine that ravages the minds and bodies of users has spread rapidly because it offers an intense, prolonged high without the use of needles. Is so, this crystal meth? Crystal meth. It's a new thing now. Oh my god, that's right! Yep. Crystal meth just hasn't always been around. Nope. Like other drugs. One of the things that it says in this article is, Crack, the smokable form of cocaine, is yesterday's headline here. 
Hawaii today is the front line for crystal methamphetamine, or ICE, a potent smokable form of methamphetamine that originated in Asia. So this is like a trend that started in Asia, apparently, in the oh, 80s. Yeah. And it like Hawaii was like the first place where uh, gangs in Honolulu were selling it. And everyone in America was like, whoa, this is going to be the next big thing. <laughs> so, you yeah. said that like it was a good thing. Like, whoa. Hey, guys, you got to get onto this crystal meth. <laughs> We're going to have a great party soon. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be recording cr- podcasts like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna stay up all night. Yeah. Well, well, we're yeah. gonna do fourteen episodes. Yeah, but episode four through fourteen are gonna make no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is before Breaking Bad, all that stuff. This is nineteen eighty nine when yeah, Crystal before Meth. it destroyed our middle class. Yeah, before everyone got addicted to either that or opioids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Mind yeah. blown. Yeah. Just like one of these aliens. Or just like someone addicted to crystal meth. <laughs> well, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into this episode. So, Who Watches the Watchers, as we said, is a big prime directive episode. It deals a lot with like what are the parameters of like how you get in touch with a pre-warp civilization. When you know the deal is you don't, but if you do, you know, how do you mitigate the effects of that? I'm surprised that that is not part of the manual. Yeah, you they know? just wing like, it this whole episode. <laughs> they just wing everything. There's no like protocol. Right. Nobody's got to call their boss. I know. And th- here's the weird thing about it, though. There's it's not written down, or at least to my knowledge, it's not. I mean, it, Brian is listening, and he because he did mention there's like a constitution with all these bylaws about like all right, this is what you do when this happens. They have. So the, it starts off, the Enterprise is going to a three-man listening post on a Bronze Age planet. Yes. So they have this disguised uh, anthropological uh, study area on a planet, and they have no contingency plan for if it gets discovered? Yeah. Are you, you kidding me? You must! Yeah! It has to exist! Yeah. Somebody had to think, like, what if power goes out? Yeah! And it does. It, but <laughs> that is pretty much exactly what happens. Yeah. But that happens all the time. No matter what type of technology you have, it right. can break. Yeah. It, the ship has broken enough times, and it's like it, a very controlled setting. Yeah. So, But no, they just have to wing it. And it's interesting to watch them wing it, but it's kind of weird that they don't have a plan for this. Yeah. No plan B. Yeah. So anyway, they're going to this planet, <laughs> Mintaka 3. And there is a uh, a group of aliens there called the Mintakans who are proto-Vulcans. So they're similar to the Vulcan race, much like, you know, if they go to some planet and they look human, the, I guess those are like proto-humans mm-hmm. or something. D- these different races of people all share a similar ancestor, I think. And they're in a Bronze Age stage right now. So there's this listening post of, three anthropologists who are like watching them and the reactor is screwing up and that's important because the reactor is doing like this uh kind of illusion thing that makes it just look like a face of a cliff Mm -hmm. and feel like one and feel like it too so it must have some sort of holodeck technology going on is yeah and picard is like talking to the dude that's running the station and it's all blurry He's like, yeah, we only have like three hours left, so you got to get here pretty quickly Mm because this is going to blow and our cover is going to be blown with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what is at stake right now. 
Uh, Dr. Barron is the guy's name, by the way. Yes. I believe he's the actor who plays Liz Lemon's father yeah. on 30 Rock. I, I think I could tell because of his voice. Oh, yeah. He uh, just looks younger. Yep. Because <laughs> this is 1989. Yeah, he's when just Crystal younger. Meth was a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> Two years before Crystal Pepsi was a new thing. <laughs> now all the kids are smoking Crystal yeah. Meth. Or ice, as they call it. Oh, my gosh. They put <laughs> ice cubes in their Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. So, uh... The computer at the observation area explodes. Yeah. So when they get there, and, like, th- by that point, the thing has blown up. And, like, people are injured. One dude falls out of he the goes, observation. Yeah, he flies out the window. <laughs> That's a hell of an explosion. I know. Whoa. Yeah. I'm surprised no one heard it. Well, it's, like, away from the settlement. I guess that's true. So they, they haven't really seen this happen yet, the uh, Mintakans. You know, and I don't want to keep poking holes in the logic of this observation room. Or what were they calling it? A duck hunt? A duck? A duck something. Yeah. I, I guess you'd sit in there and a hunt A duck, duck blind. A duck blind. That's what they yeah. call it. And in, 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 in the real world, a duck blind is like, it's a fake wall that's like camouflage basically so ducks won't notice you when you pop up and shoot them uh, <laughs> they're not shooting them in talking no. but it's like they're just watching them as we know from earlier episodes they can see what's happening on the planet from a yeah. ship i don't get why they have to be this close why get down onto the planet i don't know because then an episode doesn't happen <laughs> so i don't get why they're just not in orbit yeah it's not like they'd be able to see right you know and they and then if a problem happens, they fly away. Yeah, and come just back. get the hell out. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's your plan B. Yeah, don't put yourself in this situation. <laughs> yeah. So as this is going on, there there's a father and son, uh, Liko and Oji. Liko is played by Ray Wise, uh, who was a big character actor in the early '90s. He played Leland in Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, so much fame in this episode. Yeah. And I just recognize him because of his voice, again, because he's got, like, orange makeup on and Vulcan ears and eyebrows and stuff. But I was like, wait, is that Ray Wise? Yeah. He was, like, one of the gang members in RoboCop. He was uh, <laughs> he was uh, Laura Palmer's dad in Twin Peaks, and he, I think, is on Fresh Off the Boat, the sitcom now. So, But he was a big character actor, actor in the 80s. Yeah, so. his face is really recognizable. Yep. Did you say father-son? Father daughter. Yeah, it was a father daughter yeah. pairing. For a second, you blew my mind. Oh no, I thought I was like, that was a that was a little boy. No, I thought I said father daughter. No, you said father son. Oh well, sorry. Father daughter <laughs> team. Liko and OG. Yeah, and OG is like her duty is to get the sundial working or something. I think it's to yeah. They're set out it up a prop. Yeah, uh, they're out repairing some stuff. Yeah, and she notices a flash coming from the cliff. She's like, what the heck is going on there? While the Enterprise team is, like, trying to go down there and repair stuff, Liko and Oji are, like, going up to investigate. Because mm-hmm. in their mind, they don't know what the hell this is. No, the cliff is just shiny. Yeah, which shouldn't happen. So <laughs> Liko, like, climbs up, and he sees what's going on inside. But Data sees him, and then Liko accidentally like touches a wire or something and just gets blown off of the cliff. It's too late. He's kind of already seen everything inside, mm-hmm. and he's injured. So Dr. Crusher is like, well, got to take him up to the ship with everyone else. So Yeah, she uh, goes running out there mm-hmm. as he falls to the ground. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's a doctor. It's kinda... her, her prime directive is right. to take care of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
So she brings him up to sickbay. She brings this Bronze Age dude onto a spaceship. Yeah. And uh, the daughter sees this happen. Yeah, yeah she sees Liko disappear, mm-hmm. like, and everyone, like, materialize out of nowhere. Which, to her, you know, put yourself in her shoes. You're living in, like, ancient Greece or something. Yeah. You got compound bows. That's yeah, about it. That's your big technology. <laughs> yeah. And you see electricity. You see a bunch of flashing lights and stuff. And you see an alien take... Put a tricorder over somebody. Yeah, but you don't know what a tricorder is. It's like just some device. You probably would think it's a bicorder or something dumb like that. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) And just make your dad dematerialize away. Yeah. That's got to be bizarre. That's got to be dope. (laughs) Well, terrified, probably. So she is amazed and just sees everything disappear, basically. She goes up to the cliff face. It's a cliff face now. They repaired it, so it just... It's back to its duck blind, back to its disguise, and she reaches up and touches it. It's like, no, it's rock. It's crazy. It's crazy. What just happened? <laughs> so, in the sick bay of the They just violated the prime they directive. They super violated Oh, it, yeah. Now, yeah. they're definitely in violation territory. Yeah. Uh, but the explanation is, so we're back on the sick bay of the Enterprise, and Picard walks in, and he's like, uh, so what's this Bronze Age dude doing <laughs> on a spaceship? Can't, can't help but think that's a violation of the Prime Directive. And Crusher explains it by saying, look, he already saw everything by that point. The damage was done. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I just had an injured guy. What else was I going to do? And he was like, just let him die. Because you could make it far worse by healing him. Uh, it, it's too late. Like you're, It's a pretty cold-blooded response. It is, card. but... It, it kind of makes sense with the logic of it, and especially as you see what happens later. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to go kill more people, and, like, they accidentally created a religion and all this other shit. He was like, no, you should have just let him, uh, let him go naturally because interfering with it could cause even greater harm. Yeah, I know, and I guess if he's dead, he couldn't come back with any stories. Nope. It would have just been the it story just of his been daughter. That. Yeah, but Crusher is saying, and I, I can totally understand it from her point of view, it's like, I can't, I'm a doctor, I can't just leave someone to die no way because and he wasn't doing anything wrong like Especially he was, a human being would have a hard time with that right. much less a doctor oh yeah exactly and you know her logic is he already saw everything so we've already violated the prime directive it's too late you can't go back and undo it so you could just become a horrible person yeah who let, let someone this die. innocent man die right while they're doing all this stuff oh at one point they do a, a cool callback to oh, the memory wipe. Yeah. Yeah, so Dr. Pulaski had perfected a short-term memory wipe. The last time we had to deal with this was when Data made a friend. Uh, it totally violated, it the, totally prime violated the, the prime directive. Their highest law, as uh-huh. Picard says many times in this episode, mm-hmm. which has been violated at least, what, five, I six times, times by now? Yeah. Pulaski had wiped the memory of this little girl um, from a pre-warp civilization, and he's like, well, let's just do that again. You know, we did that before. Uh, while he's doing this, uh, Dr. Barron wakes up, and he's saying, oh, there's a guy, Dr. Palmer, the dude that, you know, flew out of the uh, the duck blind. Uh, he's still down there. We got to go back and get him. And then Liko wakes up, and he sees Picard. Basked and, in a golden light. Yeah, because he's delirious, and, like, his he has a head injury and all this stuff. And he's like, wakes up on a spaceship. He sees Picard, and he's just like, oh my god. And then he, you know, gets resedated. But damage is done. So 
when he gets back. Yeah, he gets he, beamed down to the planet in the exact spot where he was. He remembers everything. Yep. It so didn't work. So Crusher just did it wrong? I it, I guess it didn't take. Yeah. Different brains. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. I don't know. Slightly different Well, biology. because remember when uh, Pulaski did it, it was like an experimental thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess it didn't work because he <laughs> remembers being on the ship. Mm. And he's telling so maybe his maybe yeah. Pulaski is a better doctor than Crusher. It could Crusher. be. Pulaski's a good doctor, so <laughs> who knows? Uh, we will never find out. Liko is telling his daughter, OG, about what happened, and he's like, uh, I w- woke up, I was dead, and I woke up in the afterlife, and I saw a figure, and I heard his name, and it was the Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, everybody. You made John Luke a, a god now. Well, he's a god in my book already. <laughs> well, he's l- literally a god to the civilization now. He's not a bad moral compass. No. Except in this episode, he's kind of heartless, I well, guess. Well, I mean, he's trying to follow the Prime Directive. So Ugh. they're discussing... When convenient. Yeah. They're discussing the uh, possible rescue mission that they have to go mm-hmm. uh, embark on in, in the conference room. And Data's talking about how... Mintaka 3, the planet, it has a bunch of caverns, has what's called karst geography. There's sinkholes and all this stuff. So Palmer probably fell into one of them. And they got to find them because their sensors can't, like, get down there for some reason. They will have to physically go down there in disguise, basically, to find this dude. Which is making it even more difficult. Yeah. uh, Picard sends... uh, Riker and Troy in Vulcan disguise. Well, they're not Vulcans. Well, proto-Vulcan disguise. Proto-Vulcan disguise, yeah. Yeah. So they go down there in, like, these Renaissance Fair outfits and pointy (laughs) ears and shit, and they're talking about the... uh, My favorite part is when Riker's running in that outfit. Oh, yeah, he's got these huge boots. Yeah, (laughs) big floppy boots on. Yeah. uh, Troy is telling him about how, like, it's like a, a female dominant society, basically. Yeah. And how, like, Women, I think, have more than one husband or something, but they have to barter for services. <laughs> and yeah, basically, they can decide who, how, who the husband is sleeping with or doing things with is all decided by the wife, yeah. not the husband. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And then the other thing, and this is important, is that like Vulcans, they're very sensible people. Everything is based on like reason and evidence and all this stuff. So like... When Liko was talking to his daughter Oji about, like, I saw this god, he's, like, the overseer, Oji was saying, no, we used to believe in that stuff about the overseer. We don't believe that now. That was our ancestors' stories. And he was like, I'm telling you, I saw it. It's real. The reason he believes it is because he saw it with his own eyes. Right. Keep that in mind. Everything that they believe, even their religion, is all evidence-based. And it also makes me wonder, uh, the overseer, maybe that was a mistake they made hundreds of years ago yeah who knows right where that but where that story could have came from right so uh yeah Riker and troy are gonna show up in the town and it's kind of weird that like i guess they must have a planet-wide civilization or something like they're newcomers you know like no one has ever seen these people before yeah the whole planet size thing gets so weird yeah because we're on this planet and there's 15 people there i know yeah and they're worried about this epidemic of religion spreading yeah it's like, well it would only be right in this, in this one area town. but you know who knows what would happen anyway they they arrive in town and they realize that Liko's story about the picard is kind of catching on they figure out that there's a kind of local 
magistrate or something, a local leader named Nuria, and she is very skeptical of this story. They're in the town square talking about, like, no, look, I saw the Picard, and, you know, this is, like, the overseer. Some people believe it, and Nuria's not really catching on. Riker and Troy, who just show up and introduce themselves as Riker and Troy, by the way. They're I even, know. Well, <laughs> they didn't even come up with code names. Well, they don't have to, I guess. I just feel like their names would be, like, out of place. Well, I think the writers did that just not to confuse people because yeah. they're in physical disguise. Like, they look different. <laughs> and also, they're like, yeah, let's just go with Riker and Troy. They're not going to know who the hell that is. But it should have been, like, Panuri and Tonka They didn't even pick, like, Vulcan-sounding names. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just thought it was weird that they just showed up. They said they were here to trade fur. Right. I guess that happens in this. All right, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I, it must happen. Yeah, so... They're like, yes, uh, new people that just showed up here. Sure, that that sounds reasonable. But then Palmer is brought in. He's obviously human. He's wearing weird clothes. He is sticking out. And the they're Palmer. like, well, now we've got evidence. Mm-hmm. So people are starting to believe in the Picard. Well, and this is what flips uh, Yuri. Mm-hmm. Nuria. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this well, is what flips Nuria. Yeah, again, because they believe in what they see. Mm-hmm. And she then says, well, you know, I was skeptical because I didn't see any evidence. But now I see evidence. This guy knows the Picard. I guess he must be real. Yeah. I'm convinced. So I'll worship Ru- the great Picard. Yeah, so Riker, you know, he's still got his comm badge underneath all of his Renaissance Fair clothes. And he's like, <laughs> uh, Riker, we've got a problem down here. Back in the conference room, Dr. Barron is talking to Picard. And he's like, look, we just have to get this guy aboard, uh, Palmer. We got to as soon as possible. And Picard's saying, look, I'm going to do it. Trust me. But we have to do this slow. If we go down there, guns blazing, get this dude, who knows what damage we will, you know, give to the civilization generations from now. He's still trying to stick to the Prime Directive as much as he possibly can. Everyone else is around him saying, the damage has been done. Do whatever the hell you have to. That's kind of like the rest of this episode. That is. Yeah. Back down on the planet, the town is saying that, like, okay, so we know that Picard is real. We know he can bring people back from the dead, which, uh, keep in mind, this is important to Liko because his wife has died. Yeah, last year. Yeah, so he wants to bring her back. Um, she drowned in the Great Flood. There's a, yeah, they live in an area with a lot of floods. and a Six bunch people of, died. A bunch of people died. <laughs> Not so, very many, really. Right. But six people, I guess that's a lot. For this village. Yeah, of 12. <laughs> <laughs> so these people are in this situation where they know that this all-powerful being can bring people back from the dead, can destroy all of them if they want. What do we do to keep this guy happy? Yeah. So everything that they want to do is to please the Picard. So they say, well, uh, we should keep the Palmer's safe. Uh, we're going to tie him up and just keep him here and make sure he's okay. Well, there, the reason they tie him up is because they don't know perhaps he's forsaken the Picard. Yeah. They, so he could be violent when right. he wakes up. Yeah. So they don't know what the deal is. They're just like, let's keep an eye on this guy. Yeah. Uh, we know Picard is looking for him. Yeah. Troy is like trying to d- distract everybody uh, so that they can kind of get this Palmer dude out. By saying, it's like, oh, there's another servant of the Picard headed to the caves. Let's go that way, everybody. (laughs) Get your obviously from the 1980s compound bows. I know. (laughs) Like, they're made out of plastic. Yeah, they're made out of plastic and have, like, uh, 
like pulleys on them. Yeah. This is like obviously not from the Bronze Age. <laughs> this is some shit they went to a sporting goods store. Hey, they evolved differently. Maybe yeah, they know, discovered yeah. the compound so, bow well, they much get faster than humans did. <laughs> yeah. They get those things. They start running towards the caves, and Riker is left alone with his old dude, Fento. Oh, Fento. And they're like, all right, we're going to tie up this dude. And so Riker's teaching him how to tie a knot. But then he ties up Fento. Oh, how did Fento not know this was going to happen? And Riker apologizes to him. He's actually really nice about it. He's, He's like, like, sorry, friend. Sorry, dude. But he grabs Palmer. But he's carrying dead weight. You know, it's hard to carry dead weight. Mm-hmm. And dropping him all over the place. Dropping him all over the place. <laughs> like, this dude's got to be dead. Uh, he's trying to get him out. And he manages to, like just barely escape some dude that's chasing him down with a bow. Well, yeah, and uh, the daughter sees him again. Yes. Running. Yeah, so they know that he made off with this Yeah, and that's what brings Mm -hmm. the the guy with the bow. Yeah, so that lets them capture Troy because, you know, she came with Riker, so she must be trouble. How about that Riker just just ditching Troy like that? Well, he's trying to complete the mission, and he thought that Troy beamed up. Yeah. So oh, I guess he does ask that later. Yeah, no, he asks it immediately. Like, Riker uh, beams up into the sick bay, and he's like, okay, uh, we got Troy, right? And he's like, nope. <laughs> she's, uh, sorry, Too she's still on the planet. Yeah. Which, they can't, like, beam her up from that situation? But she would have had to be alone. Why? I because don't they know. don't want the others seeing oh, her Oh, shit, up. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, she had a companion for the rest of the episode. Oh. Uh, was keeping an eye on her because... Of her association with Riker. Yes. Okay, so they can't just make her dematerialize in front of everybody. I get it now. So she's been captured, and this is dangerous because Liko is saying, all right, so that Riker dude ran off with the Palmer. We know that's bad. We know that she's with him. The Picard must want us to hurt her. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) What does this say about religion? This this episode is not very kind to it. Um, it basically blames violence and war on religion. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh man, so we got to harm Troy here in order to please the Picard." Nuria is not really sold on this idea. No, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, because why would you hurt yeah, somebody? It's just like they, they they're pretty peaceful. Like yeah. the, the what their weapons are for, not for warfare. It's for hunting, mm-hmm. and they make that pretty clear. So hurting someone intentionally is a new idea to them. And she's like, uh, thanks God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're still on the lookout for Riker. Keep in mind, they don't know anything about transporter technology. So they're looking for him back on the ship. Dr. Baron is talking to Picard and he's like, look, hear me out here. (laughs) I got an idea. I got a weird idea. (laughs) So they think you're God. (laughs) Um, and your your subordinate is in trouble. So there's a way that you can solve this if you just kind of show him a sign. Do a little magic trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let him know not to do whatever the hell they're about to do. And Picard hates this idea. Yeah, of course he would. And he, again, you know, he brings up the Prime Directive. Uh, and Baron is saying, look, as we've been saying, the damage has been done. We're just trying to mitigate it at this point. But Picard is saying, I don't want to impose a set of commandments onto any of these people. Because that's what he sees that he'd be doing. And this is the moment that Picard finally accepts the fact that there's no just covering this up. Nope. But the way that he's going to cover it up is to talk to Nuria and convince her that Picard is not magic. He's just some guy 
that happens to come from a advanced civilization. Yeah, he's an alien, right? Which is a pretty big deal. It's still. still a big deal. Which I always think when I watch this episode, why did they instantly think God, not alien? But they must not even be aware. They don't of know what space. an alien is. They don't know what another planet is. Yeah, gosh. So of course they're going to go to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So they're still able to keep in touch with Troy because she has the com badge, and she's able to like signal to them where Noria is, and when she's alone, they beam her up onto the ship. Nuria appears in front of the Picard, and she <laughs> falls to her knees. And uh, Picard like holds her hand to let her know, look, I have a pulse. I have warmth, just like any other being does. I live, and I will one day die, just like you. Please do not worship me. That is super weird. <laughs> and she's starting to get the idea, but then he goes through a door, and she's like, even the walls obey your command. So it's... It's not really catching on yet. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting, her discovering the mortality of Picard on the ship. Right. Because he keeps telling her these things, and she understands them and agrees, but then is wowed by the next thing Yeah, that well, happens. of course, like, if you put yourself in her shoes, like, she doesn't know what a spaceship is. She doesn't know what an automatic door is. Like, Yeah, but he keeps saying, I am no god. Right. But that's not going to get through to her. I mean, so what does eventually, kind of, is he takes her to the conference room. You know, it has a huge view of outer space. She sees her planet. And recognizes and rec- it. And recognizes it, which is weird. Then she has a concept of what She a has a concept is. of, like, what the planet is. They should have thought about aliens for at least a second. <laughs> well, it's like in ancient Greece and, and stuff, They were, I think they knew the planet was round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they show at the beginning they have, like, this astrolabe-looking thing. So I guess it's like, yeah, okay, they must watch the stars a whole lot, and they're able to measure, you know, based on that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she... And they've never wondered, are we alone? (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Uh, But they're smart people, is the point. Mm -hmm. And so Picard is trying to use the proto-Vulcan's reason to explain. It's like, okay, you live in houses now, right? Yeah. Did you always live in houses? And she's like, no, our ancestors used to live in caves. Okay, so why did they live in caves? I love this answer. Uh, Because they couldn't build houses. Okay, but you can build houses now. Yeah. Okay, so you have bows, right? Yeah. Did you always have bows? Like, no, they used to have spears. It's like, okay. And he's trying to explain. It's like, oh, yeah, so we invented all this stuff. He's like, yeah. So imagine if you went back to one of your ancestors wearing clothes, because, you know, they didn't know how to weave cloth, in a house with a bow, what would they think? And she was like, I guess they'd be terrified. Mm. Oh, I get it. <laughs> you're not a god. You're just, like, super advanced. When he goes, why don't you sleep in caves anymore? She goes, because um, they're cold and wet. <laughs> yeah, huts are better, obviously. <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it seems like she kind of gets it, but then she talks about all the floods and stuff that they have on mm-hmm. the planet. She's like, look, Liko's wife died. A bunch of our kids died. Can you please bring them back? Picard's like, oh, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess I didn't get through to you. Um, I can't do that. I'm yeah. not a god. And she thinks, he's like, what did, I, what did I do to make you upset? Like, please explain to me. What can I do to to bring these people back? And he's like, I, I, it's not within my power. Like I said, we're mortal. Immortality Let, is something that we haven't solved. We haven't solved. <laughs> Let me show you. And uh, they go to sick bay where one of the scientists, Dr. Warren, is dying. And they can't save her. 
and she dies in front of her. They keep hitting the fix-it button, and, and nothing it, yep, happens. It doesn't happen. They used very few tools on her, by the way. I was thinking that with the soul they, medical well, stuff. They had the brain shocker they used on Tashi Yar. Where was the Where, brain shocker? I know. It's inconsistent <laughs> what they do to save people's lives. Yeah, so th- this poor Dr. Warren was just not liked very much. I guess not. Yeah, nah, she's not, not important enough to the plot. Let's go grab the brain shocker and right. bring it over. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have insurance. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Oh, that's awful. That uh, was awful. They, I hope they solve that problem by Star Trek <laughs> time. <laughs> so uh, they go back to the planet. And at this point, there's a storm going on. And Liko points out, it's not the season for storms, so it must be Picard is angry with us. And Nuri is not there yet. So he's like, well, uh, we've got no choice. Picard must be mad. This must be a sign he wants us to kill Troy. So he gets his bow and arrow. <laughs> Again, it's like, man, he really wants to kill Troy. He's super into this idea. <laughs> how do we hurt the witch? Yeah, and Troy mm. is like trying to talk him out of it. And is like, look, how do you know what Picard wants? And he's like, uh... I don't know. He's like, well, what if you're wrong? Like, if you're wrong, you just kill somebody. He's like, yeah, but if I'm right and I don't do it, then more people will die. So, sorry, you got to die. And just in time, Picard comes in because he's, like, asking for a sign to make it stop. And this is like when Abraham is about to kill Isaac. Oh, right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and then God comes in and is like, oh, hold up. I was just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. (laughs) That's fucked up, Abraham. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Let's let's reset here. Let's uh, forget this happened. (laughs) Uh, Just cut off the skin on his dick. (laughs) Just do that. (laughs) That's totally normal. Uh, And... All right, whoo, <laughs> narrowly avoided. <laughs> so Picard comes in and he does that. Uh, well, no, not, not exactly. all of that. <laughs> but it is kind of like a parallel of the Abraham-Isaac right. uh, story. where So he comes in at the last second and gets Liko not to shoot him. But he also tries to convince him that he's just a normal dude. Liko's not buying it. He's bowing and scraping. And then he's like, please bring back my wife. I will trade my life for hers. I will do whatever it takes to get her back. Why did you take her? And he's like, look, please believe me, dude. I can't do that. I wish I could. I, it's not within my power because, again, I am not a god. I'm just some guy. <laughs> like, but it doesn't work. Liko is going to try to prove to Picard that he is... This is where the logic uh, gets a little weird. That he is a god by shooting him. Yeah, so he's going to prove that Picard is lying by shooting him with an arrow and showing how powerful Picard is. Right. And Picard's like, yeah, shoot me, which is gutsy, Picard. It is. Um, But he's like, yeah, shoot me, uh, and he'll prove to you that I'm mortal. It's a badass scene. It's a pretty badass really scene. Cool it scene. totally falls apart for him, though, because Liko does shoot him. Shoots him! <laughs> Luckily enough, uh, his daughter hits his arm right at the right moment. Right, yeah. It's so just it only like, hits him It hits him in, like, the hero zone. Yeah. Like, in his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it would have hit his heart, that's a fake heart. Yeah. Sparks would have flown. I know. And he would have seemed like a god. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That would have been even worse. They would have seen his mechanical heart. Oh, hey, how do you explain that? <laughs> well, you see... I was in a bar in a starbase. What's a starbase? <laughs> Started we worship my the starbase now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it takes him out just because OG pushed his elbow or whatever, and uh, Nuria kneels down and gets blood, Picard's blood, on her hands and shows Liko. 
and finally Liko's like, oh, shit. He starts crying. Yeah. I mean, because he just shot a guy that he believed to be a god. And now his entire belief system has fallen apart. Well, lucky for him, that belief system is like two days old. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he's, you know, lost the faith of his childhood. No. This is just a thing he thought was true a couple days ago. <laughs> and it turns out it's not. No. <laughs> but I think it, it, what does shake him is that he thought there was a chance he could get his wife back. Yeah. And now he knows that's never going to happen. Mm-mm. Cuts to a captain log, uh, captain's log. Picard is fine. Uh, he's back on the ship. Dr. Crusher fixed him up. He got the. He has insurance. Yeah, he's got insurance, so he's good. Uh, he's he's an officer, so I guess he's hooked up. Um, and Jordy is gonna take down the duck blind, the observation post. But to cap everything off, Picard is going back to the planet. Remember, they've already violated the Prime Directive, so he's just gonna try to mitigate the damage. And he's talking to all the people, uh, all the Mintakans. He's got a little sling on because. Uh, you know, remember he got shot in the shoulder. And uh, I sigh at this. Medical tech? Yeah. People get blasted with phasers all the time. And it turns out an arrow does more sustain, uh, substantial damage. Well, that's a deep wound. You know, I what guess. if they hit a tendon? I, I mean, I guess, but they got all these ways to. F- they cured the headache. Oh, yeah. You tell me you can't fix a wound caused by an arrow? Would it immediately be cured, though? Like, that's wouldn't you have thought. like a hole? I don't know. They can't just, like, replace They got little flesh. robots that go into your body, little nanobots, oh. that can go into the cellular level and heal things and find cancer. Well, you know, he's It just, can't fix an arrow wound? He just got shot with an arrow, dude. From, like, ten feet away. Yeah. He's gonna be messed up. I don't believe it. He's in it. a sling. He's fine. I don't believe it. I don't think he'd need a sling. With all the other technology they have, arrows are the most lethal weapon. Dude, they can mess you up. I agree that they can, but not in the future. Okay. Well, it it could have killed him. Yeah. But it shouldn't do sustaining damage later. Oh, so it could have killed him, but it can't wound him. That's exactly. impossible. No. This is where, no, you, no, no. Draw, this is where <laughs> you draw the line. Right. Well, he's still a human. I'm saying this. He went back to the Picard ship. Do you think Picard is God then? No. <laughs> he went back to the ship. And he got that sling. So he went to the doctor between getting shot Uh and the scene. I'm saying the doctor could have fixed that wound better so well that he wouldn't need a sling anymore. Well, he does. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) So he's got a little... They have nanobots. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm convinced that those would have fixed this. This this all happened very quickly. So maybe it's just not the nanobots aren't done healing them yet. Ah. People have to go to sick bay. You know, they got to rest up remember Worf got the measles <laughs> yeah which is a horrible disease okay and they cured it in like 20 okay. minutes and they didn't talk would about it rather, ever again would you rather get the measles or get shot by an arrow is it a fatal shot <laughs> <laughs> the measles can kill you no, that doesn't always so it doesn't I, normally. i'd rather get shot with an arrow really I think so. I don't think the measles are as fatal anymore as you think, as we think they are. <laughs> mm, okay. I, I don't know. I'm going to say measles. <laughs> That's where we differ, Pat. Okay. Well, I'll shoot you with an arrow then. See how you like <laughs> I'll it. I'll give you the measles. All right. So he's got a sling on. I g- <laughs> I'm done. And he's talking to the Mintakans. And he's basically explaining the prime directive. He's like, look, uh, normally we don't interfere with people. 
because I mean, you just, you saw what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, man, that was messed I up. I shot you with an arrow. <laughs> yeah, Liko is like apparently fine now. And they're like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry I did that. And yep. But then he's trying to explain the observation post. And he's like, yeah, uh, we weren't here to hurt you. We were just watching you. And they're like, well, why? He said, well, there was a time when we were like you. And by us watching you, we learn more about ourselves. So that's it. We weren't here to interfere. And we're not going to interfere anymore. And they're like, well, just please give us some of your knowledge. And he says, no, it's up to you to progress on your own, however you want to progress. We're not here to mess with that. I'm sorry that we did. And uh, this little boy gives him like a piece of leather or something. He takes this thing and he's very like reverent and he's very nice. And then Nuria like does the handshake thing that they did. And I guess that's going to be part of their culture now Mm -hmm. um, is what I got from that. He exchanges feelings of goodwill. Everybody's cool. We're good now. Please remember I'm not a god. And then he beams up. <laughs> and don't hurt each other. Yeah, also don't don't hurt each other. <laughs> Although now that that concept's in their head, I mean, that's still They got around. a taste for blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, you know, we have all these ancient alien mythologies going Oh, man, on. they're going to be full of that shit oh, now. Oh, yeah. And then they're going to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we made a video on H. <laughs> we did <laughs> last we did. year. That was a fun video. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's it, right? Yeah, that's that's how the episode ends, man. Well, Patrick, this is the part of the podcast where we like to rate what we just saw. If we thought it was amazing, must watch Star Trek. We set to kill. If we yeah. thought it was mm, pretty good, comes up in the queue, give it a watch. We set to stun. And if it was lame, avoid at all costs. Do not watch this episode. We leave it in the holster. Patrick, what did you think? Uh, m- much like Liko, uh, I am going to aim this at the heart of Picard and set to kill. Yeah! <laughs> set to kill! That's not what arrow. an arrow sounds like. <laughs> uh, no, I liked it because I like the Prime Directive uh, stuff. I, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it didn't get, like, muddled down in B plots and C plots that have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I don't always really agree with its take on religion, but I get where it's coming from. Like, and I get that it's Star Trek and this is how they're going to treat it. Yeah. But that's cool to see, you know, that like, it's, it's that kind of like twilight zone type morality Mm -hmm. where they're dealing with this ridiculous situation and you get to see Picard try to explain that he's not a god, which is very fun. And Ray Wise is in it. <laughs> so, yeah, set to kill. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to give it a set to kill, too. Boo, boo. Arrow, arrow, arrow. Yeah, I guess arrows. <laughs> Just, that's what I guess what that said. That's what they said. Like, ow. So we get hit with an arrow. Oh, I would probably be screaming if I got hit with They're an arrow. They're just stun arrows. Oh, all right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's one of, it's one that always stands out to me. As soon as this episode started, I was like, "Oh yes, I yeah. remember almost every detail." Well, it was very episode. unique. Yeah, exactly. And they sort of revisit it in First Contact. Not First Contact. They sort of revisit it in one of the Star Trek movies later oh, too. Okay, this idea of what happens when you interrupt the Prime Directive. Yeah, and I like that a lot. I do have issues with the. the 
the weight that they continuously put on the Prime Directive, as I said earlier, because they violate it numerous times and they should just know, okay, if something happens and we violate this thing, this is what we do because we've done this before because it's impossible for it to be the first time. Um, yeah, but other beyond that, like put that thing aside. It's a great episode. Yeah, watching Patrick Stewart act in this episode, man, is it ruled. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very uh, John Luke Picard heavy episode. Yeah, and a lot about him dealing with the fact that he's got this problem. Yeah, and uh, here's why I I feel like this is different from a lot of the other Prime Directive uh, episodes. The it the logic of it kind of made sense. Everything that they did, they didn't mean to do this. Yes. And it's not something that they cause. Like, it's not the other one where Data just talks to someone for no reason. Mm-hmm. This is just like, no, an accident happened. It revealed our situation, and we're trying to mitigate the damage. But every time they try to mitigate it, they get drawn in deeper and deeper and deeper. So yeah. it's like, okay, that's pretty well written. Yeah. No, it's great. I think the problem with it isn't this episode. No, it's, it's the greater universe. Yeah, exactly. Around the Prime Directive. This taken in itself is perfectly done as far as how they treat the Prime Directive. It's just in the previous episodes, they treated it so differently that you have to forget that those existed. Yeah. And I bet you that's true probably going forward, that their treatment of the Prime Directive is a lot more consistent. Yeah. But I love the episode. I feel like I'm coming down real hard on it. I don't mean to be. I'm just coming down on the Prime Directive. I know. And the medical equipment. Because that shit, they still haven't worked out. It's very inconsistent. I get it. Uh, But I loved it. It was great. Liz Lemon's dad. He made it for me. That's right. Yeah. I didn't even look up the actor's name. It was how much he made it for me. Um, But cool. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, keep listening to Patrick. Uh, please give us reviews. Uh, I'm sorry that we missed a week a while ago, but you know, we're going to be doing this regularly. Also, we've got some more Star Trek adventures. Yeah, we do. So I get to play this time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Chris Geiger is going to be the, uh, the GM. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. I don't know if I, how I feel about losing that control. Oh no. Uh, it's going to be pretty wild. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> I know, but now I can't control the world of Star Trek. I have to just live in it. Man, just, you're just going to have to let go, dude. You're not I a will. god. <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter at PetIsAGod. Uh, just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at PetLikesAtweet because Facebook is for noobs. Listen to the Dungeon Rats. It's a podcast about Dungeons and & Dragons. And I'm really looking forward to this Star Trek Adventures bonus episode series again. Me too. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. 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 Peaches. Hot sauce.